All right, welcome back to another episode of Miserable and Reckless, bringing you on Filter to Fans on sports, music, culture, and all things of South. I'm Logan Sinner with Morgan, Dustin, and Ryan. Be sure to give us five stars and a great review wherever you get your podcast, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher. We are there. Help us out. Give us a good comment. Uh, give us a submission. Subscribe and share with your friends. Check out the website, coldcansnetwork.com, miserable-reckless.com for blog content and merch. We have t-shirts, hats, and koozies all available on the website. All right, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Morgan, kick things off. All right, well, actually, I have a good, great, and awesome this week. Um, awesome. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, good. I just got in the mail today. I was telling you guys last week about getting um, concert posters off eBay, and uh, uh, just we got in the mail this afternoon uh, three uh, Pearl Jam. Uh, posters which if if you know anything about their shows their posters are very limited and very hard to get people line up i think almost 24 hours if not longer in line at the merch merchandise line just to get those posters um so i was pretty pretty fortunate to get those one of them is a reprint uh from their very first show back in 1990 which was pretty sick that was pretty cool uh my great uh we finally nailed down and secured a spot for brody's third birthday coming up uh his birthday is monday october 3rd and we're having it at a uh, pretty cool park uh called womble park here in high springs on october the second uh, that sunday before so excited about that gonna be getting him uh a new bed well instead turning his uh so he's got those grow a few beds. It was a crib. Then he took down the side and just put up the guardrail. And his, he's grown too big for that. So now we got to turn it into a twin bed for him so he can have more room. Um, I guess it's kind of sad at the same time that he's getting so big. But that's, that's pretty exciting, getting him a bunch of train stuff because he loves trains. <laughs> and then my awesome is uh, Virginia Tech. This past weekend, um, the offense is still pretty damn shaky, um, but uh, there's no turnovers, and their defense finally is starting to gel. Got after uh, Ryan's favorite quarterback from Boston College uh, six six times, sacked him six times. I was pretty happy about that. I knew that was probably going to happen, seeing how the, the conference uh, records um, got after his ass the week before and I knew our defensive line was much better than Rutgers. So I wasn't too worried about it, but you know, still being Virginia Tech and dealing with that the last seven years of of misery, it's still kinda you still kinda cringe when, when the whistle starts and you're like, all right, what the fuck are they gonna do now? <laughs> um got Warf- Warford, who I didn't even know had a football team, they got them this weekend and uh not in Virginia, so I guess that at least is. I'm talking about a lower-level Virginia school playing this weekend, so that's that's nice. No, no shots at Wofford or anything. I, you know, I'm sure it's a great school, um, but I'm hoping for. I'm hoping, you know, knock on wood. I'm hoping their defense gets a little bit more of a fine-tuning going on this weekend, and um, they can gel a little bit better. And dish out a couple million dollars to Wofford at the same time for coming up to play. Um, that's it. That's my good, great, and awesome. All right. Brian, good, the bad, and the ugly. Morgan, when we get to the, uh, when we get to the pick em, you'll see how I described Wofford. I saw that. That's why, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, great. I, I, they, they, thank you. I used that in, in, in my, in my speech there. So, oh, uh, you're good. I just <laughs> I was like, oh, great minds think alike. All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Good, bad, and the ugly. I have a normal good, bad, and the ugly this week, and it's all based around Saturday, so sorry, but it is. Um, So Saturday morning, I got up early. Um, Long story short, I've had to – I referenced in the past that I got a a speeding ticket, so I've had to do some community service, and I'll leave it at that. Um, But because of that, I got up early on Saturday morning, and I I decided outside of my community service I was going to go get a haircut. So I went over to a place in town that I really appreciated going um, when I lived here in the past. Uh, so kind of moved from Wilmington to here and then 
went somewhere else and came back. So I hadn't been there in about six years and uh, I've been shaving my own head and not because I was scared. I just was cheap. And uh, I went to save money. (laughs) Save money. So long story short is I went over to this old place in Annapolis and um, and they've got just it's it's an old time barbershop. It's exactly what you think. And uh, it's a really cool place. There's ladies that have been in there that have been cutting hair for like 40, 50 years. And uh, um, uh, so anyways, I found out that uh, the guy that owns the place, he played saxophone in the Charlie Daniels band for a long time. And there's pictures of him doing it on the wall. He's uh, real into um, the saxophone and he's played with a lot of different bands. He's, uh, he's from the Annapolis area originally. Um, his name is Dell, uh, D-E-L, like Delaware. I'd have to look up what his last name is again. But um, uh, so that was really cool. And that was a really cool experience. Um, I guess that can lead me into my bad. Um, my bad is that I also found out, um, like I said, I hadn't been there in six years. So my bad is that I found out that he actually passed away over the last month. Mm. Um, and so because he passed away, he was the last remaining person that owned his, he owned his own haircut place and he was just really good at it. Like I said, and employed all these women that had been there for years and years and years and worked under him. And, um, so his daughter, a developer approached his daughter about potentially putting a new piece of property on the, um, on the land, I guess, if I understand the story correctly, um, on Saturday morning, at least. And, uh, so they are, um, they're going to sell the business. So it means that all these women that have been there for a really, really long time and have worked pretty much there and nowhere else are going to be out of a job. So I thought that that was kind of crappy. Um, so that wasn't real cool. And then, uh, that leads me into what I did with the rest of my day Saturday. So that's my ugly, um, as opposed to getting to sit around and then potentially, uh, watch, um, college football and just be able to shoot the stuff and everything else. Um, no, uh, because of Virginia's finest, I had to go help out. So I was at an event most of the day Saturday. And um, I actually don't mind the the community service that I was doing. I I mentioned it last week that I was going to be working at like kind of a Jimmy Buffett themed. They actually had the real band um, that Jimmy Buffett plays with. So speaking of, uh, I guess this is my um, not Charlie Daniels and not Jimmy Buffett, but I guess I know other members now in their bands (laughs) or I've met them in the past. I guess that's the theme of this of this week. But um, I'll skip past that part. The music was really good and the event was really good. And I appreciated it. It's a, it's a place I would have volunteered for anyway. So I actually appreciated the nudge to kind of get out of the house and go help out. Honestly, don't mind that. Although I wish it was under different circumstances. However, I will point out the ugly. And we've talked in the past about St. Louis. And one of the things that we hate about St. Louis, and we hated while we were there, is that everybody just stands in line for no reason. Now, one of my tasks while I was there was we were in charge of keeping the line moving for food. Um, We had four different tables inside a ball, inside a banquet room. Real nice room, great paintings right on the water. Real awesome. Like I said, it's a place I would have volunteered anyway. And uh, all these, what I'll call affectionately boomers, came in for the Jimmy Buffett parent head, you know, get trashed festival that I was working at. And they decided that they needed, you know, their beans and rice or their tacos or their steak or whatever jambalaya that we had. Each table, each table, I'm telling you real food, each table is different. So you could go to one table for one, one thing for the next, one thing for the next. This is lost on everybody, despite the fact that I stood there for easily 90 minutes as part of my shift. Then, then I just went and bartended the rest because I couldn't stand telling boomers anymore that the food was all different. You didn't have to stand in line. Every single person that came in, you don't have to stand in line. You can go to each table. Each table has its own food. Each table has its own silverware. Every single boomer there stood there and looked at me and just smiled politely and just said like, yeah, we just we just like to stand in line just in case somebody gets mad. And I was like, well, if they're mad, they're just going to be mad because I told them five minutes before I told you and they chose to stand in line. So people started cracking up. People that were like 10 minutes ahead in line. Now, mind you, they're standing in line but they're cracking up because they've heard this spiel four times now. And I'm like, all right, guys, I'm going to do this once for everybody. Everybody just stood drunkenly in line and we won't even talk about how much food they threw on the ground. Once they did start serving themselves, it was ridiculous. It reminded me when I got home, I showed my wife the stepbrothers clip where they just go sleepwalking 
and they just throw shit. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> that's what it, that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> that's my ugly. So my good was the haircut. My bad was the fact that he lost his business. But I thought it was really cool that he played with Charlie Daniels band. And then my ugly was boomers, just in general. Boomers and people standing in lines for no reason when they don't have to. You don't have to do it, people. Just keep moving. <laughs> All right, Dustin. Good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Typical boomers. Um, good. I sent the guys this uh, a couple of days ago. thought it was kind of a fun fact that none of us knew. Duke, Carolina. North Carolina State and Wake Forest are all 2-0 and to start the football season. All right, that's not that crazy. But it's the first time ever since they filled, they all fielded football teams, and I believe it said the year 1895. First time since 1895 that all four of these universities are actually 2-0 and after the first two games. That's pretty incredible. Um. I would have guessed it would have happened somewhere along the way. I'm sure my school was uh, one of the culprits of ruining that many times over, but good Lord, that's a long time. So it's good that it happened. Interesting that it happened. Maybe bad that it took that long to happen. I don't know. But interesting little tidbit for the start of college football. Uh, Bad. um, Notre Dame losing makes Marcus Freeman the first Notre Dame coach ever to lose his first three games. So going back to the bowl game, that was one in the first two games this year. He's lost his first three games as head coach. Um, Mm. As much as uh, we like to make fun of Mr. Authentic down in Louisiana now, he was the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. And I think maybe that, that fan base and people in general kind of breezed over that a little bit. And it's it's not to say Freeman's tenure will be bad. Who knows? We'll see. Time will tell. Like just because something starts off bad doesn't mean it'll be awful. However, you know, you lost the guy who had a ton of success there. It's always hard to replace. And so we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, first one ever. I'm I'm sure there's a lot of angry Irish fans out there these days. My ugly goes to the Florida and Kentucky game. Not the game itself, but the post game. Billy Napier was trying to claim moral victories after the the game, saying that I, I don't remember the exact quote. I didn't even write it down because it's ridiculous. But it was basically trying to say like they had a moral victory in the game. You're Florida. All right. You're not Duke and Northwestern, Stanford and whomever. Hey, well even Stanford probably couldn't claim that. Vandy. You're not Vandy in the SEC. We had a moral victory today. We only lost about 30. Like, you know, Florida's won national title. They're a major program and a major conference. Don't talk to me about moral victories. There are no moral victories. You either win or you lose. I appreciate the coaches in the world, be it Bill Belichick or Nick Saban and stuff who are cut and dry and to the point, you know, like, look, we didn't play well. We got a lot of things to work on. That was the response that you were supposed to get. Not, um, yeah, well, you know, it's, it's we're, we're building men and, you know, moral victories. That's not what they paid you to come there for. So, anyway, I thought that was pretty ugly. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, he's got to understand that he's not in the Sun Belt anymore. <laughs> yeah. There are SEC no fans ain't taking kindly. No. <laughs> and, and to that point, it said, I saw another thing about the SEC coaches hired and, 2018, I think is what it was. Jimbo is the last one standing. Jimbo Fisher down at Texas A&M of coaches hired in 2018. Elijah um, Quitz is still in Missouri. Was he hired in 2018? It, he may I'll have been hired that. in. He may have been hired in early 2019. So that you could be correct on that. Yeah, what I saw was he's the last one from that group. It was yeah. like six coaches hired that year. And uh, that's how quickly they turn them and burn them <laughs> down in the SEC country. So uh, more I would advise part. you against moral victory talk down in Gainesville. <laughs> Accurate. Um, all right. So I'm going to tack on to Dustin's interesting about the four states being 2-0. and um, 
for the first time ever. We are also the only state in the entire country that has four FBS programs that are undefeated. No one else has. Uh, most people have one. A lot of states have two. I believe there's one or two states that have, there's three states that have three, but North Carolina is the only state in all 50 states that have four undefeated teams in the FBS. Pretty impressive for uh, the state of North Carolina. Uh, now for a good, um, it's probably not going to play well for this audience, but you know, if you're ever so inclined, Coetzo has a new album coming out this Friday. So be on the lookout for that. I've heard a few songs from it. Um, I've liked um, two of the three that I've heard. So I'm kind of excited for that. Um, dropping this Friday. And then the last good I have is NC state versus Texas tech this weekend. First night game of the year. Night games at Carter Finley are generally pretty fun. Yeah, but what's different about this year's first night game is over the uh, summer, we installed new lights in the stadium. And the last row of lights that they added down below it are now red lights. And I've seen a video of it, but I can't wait to see it. It turns the entire stadium red. Uh, so they, they say that like after scores, the stadium's going to be red. Uh, pre-game when they're doing like announcements and everything, the whole stadium's just going to be straight up red, like no regular lights. That's It looks sick in the video. Looking forward to seeing it this week against Texas Tech. So that's my interesting good and good. So is it is it like when you turn your your tower blue, except you're turning your stadium red? Oh yeah, we're turning the whole stadium red, not some tower off in the background that you ripped off from somebody else. <laughs> just just pointing it out. I mean, it's it's cute that you guys are undefeated, just like us, but it's also cute that you guys have like red lights now. <laughs> well, I mean. I mean, they've you guys a, did rip us off on lighting up the bell tower, so. <laughs> I've had red lights in Amsterdam for a while. They should do one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, on that note. Uh, completely different red lights. But... <laughs> yeah. Made it how many minutes in before I took us in the gutter? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully NC State doesn't go red light district. But... <laughs> All right, so moving right along. Uh, we have a topic here that I want to bring to the table, and I'm curious, you know, if you guys uh, that are listening have any thoughts on this, check the Spotify description where you can click that link to give us an up to one minute voicemail to give us your thoughts on what we're calling Southern culture versus country culture. I'll give you a little backstory here very quickly. After recording Country and Cold Cans one night, I was talking with my two co-hosts on there, and I made the comment that Kentucky was not part of what I call the South. Now, that sparked some controversy amongst my friend group because they were saying naturally it was. And I was like, it's definitely not. So it kind of sparked the idea of what exactly is the South? What is the difference between Southern culture and country culture? Cause there are rednecks in New York, there are rednecks in California, but that has, doesn't make them Southern. And then you have some people who make the argument about the South just being just geography, but that has nothing to do with the culture. So in reality, I kind of want to throw it around the table and start off with the question that uh, got the argument to go on amongst my friends to kick things off is, is Kentucky part of the South? Uh, what do you guys think? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um, no. I, it, so what's the... Well, I guess their basis of it was different, but are they just basically like Mason Dixon line is here? That makes them south because then that would make Maryland and West Virginia the south too, and that's definitely not true. Right, right, and see, it's the same thing with. I've, it's funny because like we must be everybody's like podcasters' favorite podcast because this became a topic <laughs> on all the much bigger than us <laughs> podcast a week after, and ever but it, they they shifted away so, so it wasn't completely theft away from Kentucky. And I'm going to ask for you two, uh, y'all's opinion on this day, too, just before we get into the parameters. The one they talked about was, is Oklahoma part of the South? I thought you were going to say Missouri. Yeah, still a no for me, dog. <laughs> That's an American Idol reference. <laughs> <laughs> Shelling <Yeah>. rage. <laughs> Oklahoma's not. Sorry, Miranda. Miranda Lambert. No. Oklahoma native. They're they're with Texas. They're their own damn, you know, weird beast. I said yes for a reason with Kentucky, but Oklahoma so, and Kentucky are not southern states. Louisville has a southern is all hell event 
and they make Southern as all hell food, aka whiskey, bourbon. <laughs> yeah, food like whiskey. Um, <laughs> um, so this was the reason that I I say Kentucky is not part of the South. I said I consider the South to be a cultural thing, and you have to have like the state needs to be kind of immersed in that Southern culture. I argue that most of Kentucky is more, uh, and I don't say this uh, negatively, hillbilly culture. It's more Appalachia. Uh, The majority of that state doesn't really fit in with what you think of the uh, mid-Atlantic South and the deep South. And so my parameters were it has to fit in culturally because you can't conflate country, meaning hunting and fishing and loving every day, as Luke Bryan said once, uh, wearing camouflage with being Southern. Because do Southerners do their things? Yes. But those are also, you can be Southern and country, or you can just be Southern, or you can just be country. Those are not necessarily the same thing. So Southern culture is the thing that we need to define and the thing that we kind of have to figure out uh, the best way to explain that to people. Because I have a weird lines for the South, and it doesn't have anything to do with Mason-Dixon line. I think that anything from Richmond on down to Gainesville, Florida is the South. Or you, further you go to Florida, it ain't the South. And I have a friend of mine who's from Tampa, and he says he didn't grow up in the South. So in anything north of Richmond, ain't the South. You go past uh, Arkansas is kind of on the line for me. They're, I kind of include them, but they're kind of on the line. But Texas and Oklahoma, not the South. Now, the thing that I, I kind of want to get your, you guys' opinion on is what makes Southern culture Southern culture? Because that's the hard thing to define when this argument comes out. Because anyone not from the South or haven't spent a lot of time in the South, they hear an accent, they hear twang, and they think hunting and fishing. They think, oh, that's, that's Southern, because they really don't know what Southern is. So what exactly is Southern culture? I think it's the question we have to answer here on Miserable and Reckless tonight. Good question. <laughs> Everything in the Southern 64 and the 732. <laughs> you can conveniently find those on Spotify. <laughs> I, mean, I just don't think you're going to hear, you know, bless your heart and um, things like that in Kentucky or Oklahoma. You know, that, that for me, that's one, right? No, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with that because I think like the slang we use, the, the Southern phrases, we've talked about that a lot on this podcast, the food yeah. we eat, the just traditions that we have here that there may be country areas, but they don't necessarily do that. I mean, food comes to mind of like, you know, just grits in general, like not everywhere. Uh, I grew up eating grits the way that we do. And even if they serve grits as bland as hell, I mean, it ain't, it ain't real grits. Um, and then a big thing for me is just like the, this part of the culture is like Morgan was saying, there is the slang and the phrases that we use in the South. We use a lot of, we speak in, in sayings, never really noticed that until I had friends that weren't from my hometown. But apparently I do too. I, I, I say sayings all the time and people at work call me out on it. Like somebody asked me one time when the, they said, oh, look, there's a sun shower. And then, you know, the sun was shining and the rain was happening. And I said, what? They said, yeah, there's a sun shower. I said, where I come from, we just said the devil was beating his wife. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yeah. We covered some of the sayings, do what now, everything else. <laughs> Don't let, yeah. the air, don't let the good air out. <laughs> yeah. Um, can I, in case we get away from it, I can't, I'm not qualified to speak on Oklahoma. And I'm, I, I had never lived in Kentucky, but I've spent a hell of a lot of time there. Um, Kentucky is interesting that you said it's culture. And now we're trying to answer the question, what is Southern culture? So tying it back, Kentucky is an interesting one for me personally. And it's interesting in general because you have horse farming, which is really, or it's not farming, but horse uh, raising. I, I just said, I, I just said, I just said, I know Kentucky and then said horse farming and horse raising. So that doesn't make any sense. But um, they breed horses up north too. So I'm not, no. (laughs) Understood. But there's a, they have bourbon, they have bourbon in that set. There's a, there's a, where I'm going with it is, um, the event of the of the of the derby itself and the atmosphere that they have purposely curated um, is a southern event and it's as southern as the masters 
and it's as southern as as anything else. It just it just is. That's I I yeah. They stole they stole that attire from the south just to wear their derby. The uh, I hear you. The cultural aspect is what makes it interesting. If you'd said it's not because of the zip code or it's not because of the senator or it's not because of the flag or any other thing, it's kind of cut and dry. But when it's a cultural thing, Louisville itself, um, we've been, it's got some interesting parts to it. And if you do the drive from Bardstown, which is where all of the, uh, a lot of the bourbon trail is and things like that into Northern Tennessee, which is where Bristol, Tennessee is, right? Which is where they have a hell of a racetrack, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's about as Southern as it gets. I believe it's 64 that cuts down to Nashville. I mean, it's, I don't know. I can, I can hear the argument for Appalachia and you, we cut Richmond in half, which I think is fair. And we cut Florida in half. I'm a little inclined to think that we cut uh, Louisville and that like kind of 64. I mean, if you're doing, if you're going down that drive, you're going to see everything you'd see in the South. They've got a, I believe it's a Chevrolet museum with all sorts of old cars on the side of the road. Hell, they got a, a, a replica of Noah's Ark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like complete with animatronic animals and everything else. Um, I, that's that I, again, I can't speak to Oklahoma just because you got twisters and you got Miranda Lambert doesn't necessarily mean anything as much as I love, uh, uh, Miranda Lambert, but for that little pocket, I can't say the same for West Virginia. I can't necessarily, I mean, I, to your point about Arkansas, I'd say that there's pockets of Northwest Arkansas that are a little bit funky that I don't necessarily know how to put my finger on. Um, you got Walmart and some other stuff there that's kind of made it almost like a little Charlotte where these, these little areas that get carved out and it's kind of nothing land or suburbia or whatever. But cult, if we're talking culturally speaking, that little pocket or that little area of 64 from, from Nashville to, to, uh, to uh, Louisville specifically is about as country as it comes. And in the farmland and, 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 and the horse, uh, specifically the horses, it's about as Southern money and about as, well, now it's kind of new money too, but that's no different from Charleston or anywhere else. It's about as uh, big money as you can get when you're going from uh, Louisville to Lexington. So. I, I was open with Andy and Kyle and told them that I'm a little bit sympathetic to cutting off parts of Kentucky and including it. Um, I wasn't with Oklahoma. I wasn't with Texas. And I, I, I think even Louisiana is kind of like, is it, I don't know. It's got, it, it just, the culture is very different in a lot of these places where more often than not Mississippi East Gainesville up, like there's more similarities than there are differences. Whereas like Louisiana is kind of unique. Kentucky's yeah. kind of a mismatch. Arkansas's a bit of a mismatch. Uh, and then Oklahoma and Texas are kind of like their own thing. So it's like, it's hard to define. Cause like you said, it isn't like hard lines with geography. It's like, it is cultural. And that's, it, it, especially if you, it's one of those things that like if you haven't experienced it or seen it, it's hard to, to conceptualize. Um, Dustin, what do you think? I mean, defining the culture is, is the important part, I think. And one of the we've talked about this before this is not like food or dialect or whatever but i think a some somewhat uniquely southern certainly my perspective on the south view is people from the south people who grow up in the south in the areas that we're talking about have a very uh like a chip on their shoulder about it if that makes sense um Basically, and I think it's stronger in older generations and probably is maybe less in younger generations as time has gone on. But there's still this like us versus them, um, you know, the, those damn Yankees think they're so smart, like kind of mentality. And that's pretty strong in most of the South. The, the areas that you're sort of describing, like, I think if you picked off you know, pick somebody and like, just kind of got to talking to them about it. You would get that response. People who have grown up there, you know, not transplants in Charlotte and Raleigh and Atlanta, but folks who grew up there and even people who grew up in Raleigh or Charlotte probably have a similar experience. So I think there's a little bit of something there with that, that you're not going to find 
in Oklahoma, Texas, most of Kentucky, certainly not Maryland and West Virginia, probably not in Louisiana. It might be a different kind of chip or perspective, but there's just I, I it's something there that I've noticed that in the how we like think or how our parents teach us to think or or what we pick up on that there's a little bit of that underlying under the surface um for people who grow up in 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 the south and so it's it's a comp it's a pretty complex topic you know like you can define food you can define some of the dialect but then there's these kinds of things that pop up and people don't really like know about it or understand it unless they've lived it or seen it and um and it's hard to like make sense of that it's even hard to make sense of it to a degree having grown up in it. i i 100% agree and i can give some examples like we people our parents and grandparents generation it's very very strong especially grandparents generation a little less with parents but it's still there um there's this for a long time <clears throat> the southern culture southern dialect has kind of been made fun of or at least we perceive it to be made fun of and I think that's fed into that sense of the, you know, like you said, this kind of like us versus them mentality. And <clears throat> even now, while I don't feel it like as strong as previous generations, I still sometimes get in a huff about it because I live in a city for 10 years now that has changed a lot. It isn't the same place that I moved when I was 18. There's a lot of transplants down here now. And a lot of times they come down here. And I don't, and I'm trying to be fair to them. And I don't, when I say this, I don't always think that they know they're coming across this way or even mean it in a negative way, but there's this arrogance uh, of coming down and trying to quote unquote, save you from the Southern culture, the backwards ways that have been down here with, and it's like, in reality, it, I hear it all the time when it comes to accents. Um, when I started encountering people from other areas, some are very, very nice about accent and really like it. And then others, they just make fun of you for it. Even if they're not making fun of you, they're making fun of somebody that sounds like you and you recognize that. And so I think that it's still there, but to Dustin's point, it's not there as much as it used to be. And I, I think that that's something I've lamented about living in Raleigh as I've seen things change is it, there is a Southern culture that's still here, but it's fading with every year as the city grows. And I think a lot of that is people do kind of have this sense of, you know, where the barbecue restaurants eventually will be dying out and be replacing it with Thai food and, and pho places and more like worldwide international type cuisines. And the kind of the local, you know, been here for a long time. The old, I follow this page called Old Raleigh. It has like old pictures of the mom and pop shops that were here. And it was just a very like Southern aesthetic to it. It's being, they've been torn down and they're putting high rises on it with, companies that are not based out of here. It, there is kind of something sad about, you know, seeing that aspect of, of a place that I've called home for a while go. And I, I think that feeds into kind of that us versus them thing that you're, you're referencing. And, and to certainly the, you kind of said this before, but um, you can, you know, Southern culture can exist in cities. You know, this is this is one of the difference between country and southern. Country is more of a rural mentality, and we came from a more rural, small area, but it's it's definitely more of a rural mentality. Southern can be southern cities. Charleston's a southern city. You know, Wilmington's a southern city, um, and you can tell, you can feel it when you're there. Um, you know, so kind of what you're seeing in Raleigh is you're you're becoming a tech town. So you're getting people from not all over, just all over the country, but all over the world. And there's probably less of that feel that was there 10, 20, 30 years ago. But, you know, so that's, that's part of it too. And then again, like what muddies it is, is this kind of stuff. Areas change a little bit. And so people kind of group it all in the same. But I, I, I really do think that like when you haven't grown up in it or lived in it, people kind of just assume it's all the same. And we probably make assumptions about other places that in the same way, all them yeah. Yankees up North are the same, <laughs> but that's true. So <laughs> I said something that isn't about the Yankees thing. 
<laughs> I don't let you guys talk for a little bit because you guys are obviously more knowledgeable in it. You're a thousand percent correct. Um, and what you're saying, here's why. When I moved to Wilmington, I moved from Maryland. Um, it was a Southern city. It's what I fell in love with. I've been a fan of the state of North Carolina, the team, but I also love living at the beach. And so it had all three for me when I moved to Wilmington. Here's what I'm going to describe it. And hopefully this works for everyone that's out there that may not understand this as a northerner moving to the south. When you move to Wilmington from Maryland, there is a humidity that you are not used to in the summertime. Um, I didn't have AC in my car and I would drive around and at times until my body acclimated to the heat when I had the windows down. And even if there was a nice southern breeze blowing, I would have a seatbelt mark across my chest from where I was wearing my seatbelt because your body just kind of sweats from the humidity until you kind of acclimate to it and you get used to it after a summer, but it does take you some time to get used to. And it's this kind of humidity that you can kind of cut with a knife. You know it's there, but you're not really thinking about it. And it's not really, it's just something that is just present. That's the same way that I feel when I go to a town that I, especially because I travel for work a lot on the East Coast. I, I travel exclusively on the East Coast and 95% in the South. So when I go to a town, especially one of these small towns, and I walk in, I can choose to dress how I want to dress. I can choose to rent the right car. I'm very particular about my appearance at times when I'm trying to make a first impression. But at the end of the day, I am still a tourist. And just like that humidity in the car, I can't, I can cut it with a knife. I don't necessarily mind that it's there. I'm not necessarily thinking about it. But when I walk in, I am different. And there's nothing I can do. And there's nothing I can say. And there's nothing that I can. It's not bad. It's not wrong. No, it's not dangerous. It's just, I know that no matter what I do, no matter what I say, no matter how I change the way I look or I talk or I act, or there is a, a generational gap that goes back generations that I don't have, that I can't speak to. It's like having a different kind of blood. It's like just being from a different continent to a certain extent. And you just don't have those wars and those, whatever it may be, cultural icons and everything else in your past. And you just can't explain it. It's the same way that your body isn't acclimated to the heat. You just, you can't explain it. And eventually you can kind of slip it on and it feels comfortable and it's all right. You can kind of swim through it and you can kind of figure it out. But at the end of the day, it's never truly, it's never truly who you are. And I think it's, that's why it's a fascinating thing. And I think that's why it's one of the, I I fell in love with it because I think it's one of those, just the culture in general, because I think it's one of those, it's, what else do we do? We fall in love with things that we can't have, right? So, I mean, in all seriousness. There, there's a little bit of, there's something in that in the sense when I was thinking about this a little bit you know so with the country thing I grew up in small town rural North Carolina I, I don't I'm not country like I'm a small I'm a product of a small town but I'm not country like what I consider country is like you know you want to go four wheeling and and in the field in your truck and you're all you like to go hunting and you know it's the Luke Bryan thing i didn't really i'm never was really into any of that still am not but when you grew up you know you spend your life in the south there is some of this cultural stuff that we're talking about that just kind of happened it just happens because you're a product of where you you grow up and you're a product of your parents having been there for generations so it kind of just seeps in makes it yeah it just seeps in Whereas the country stuff could existed around me. And I just, you know, I said it, I think on the first five, this first podcast, two city for the country and two country for the city. So, you know, but, but still uniquely Southern in, in the sense of like, so that culture is my culture, but the country stuff isn't necessarily. So I, it, it, to me, there is just a, a clear, if somewhat, uh, muddy divide there between the two it is and country can exist outside of the south very easily and it does um yeah it's funny (laughs) (laughs) it's it's funny dustin because like you talk about how like you don't feel country at all to a lesser extent i sometimes feel that way but i think that landon and i tend to be slightly more country than you are and i think that some of that is 
we spent our middle school and high school years out in the country living there. So we did do the four wheeling and, and taking, driving your truck in a field, uh, thanks to our friend's house and backing it up around a bonfire. But when I go home relative to the people that did that stuff all the time, I'm still not that country. But when I'm here, like you said, the whole two city for the country, two country for the city thing, everybody thinks I'm a hick. Um, (laughs) But speaking to like the difference in like country and Southern, like there's somebody that I work with that's from Indiana, really rural Indiana, and they're very country. But one thing they made a comment to me one day at lunch when everybody that was with me was, they were either from a city like Raleigh or Charlotte in North Carolina, and their parents were from somewhere else, or they were from out of state and they moved here. And then I noticed it when people always say things will move a little slower in the South. We're sitting there and everybody, everybody's getting their food, getting ready, like to throw it away. And they're all out the door and halfway to the car before I'm even got my food thrown away. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, what are they in such a rush for? I was like, cause I don't rush for anything. And I brought that up to them. I was like, what are y'all fucking running out the door for? And then the guy from Indiana goes, I'm just going to tell you, tell you like this. He goes, you're very Southern. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you just operate a little, little more taking your time than the rest of us do. And I was like, and you know, he's from rural hunting, hunt it way more than I ever have. Probably countryer than I am, but there's just that difference between the Southern culture and just country culture. Morgan, you spent a decent amount of time out in the woods. At least in a previous life, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. And I know when we went camping and we're about to go to guys weekend, I mean, that's a house, obviously, but I feel comfortable out in the woods. But there's no I mean, I do I do it as a joke on this podcast. There's no chance in hell I claim southern. I lived in a southern town for a long time, but third of my life. But I'm not southern. I probably can qualify as country. I fit right in and we'll to a certain extent in Western Massachusetts when I moved up there and they're very country. Fires <laughs> 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 and mountains and the whole thing. I mean, I, I, I loved it. I thought it was great, oh, yeah. but I was going to see if you had any thoughts, Morgan, on the differences. Yeah. I mean, you guys have all nailed it pretty, pretty well. You know, I mean, my hometown is a lot like Dustin and, and Logan's, you know, it's, I've been all over most of Virginia and it's not me being, you know, biased or anything, but I would honestly say that, that Halifax, Virginia is, is about as Southern as you can get in the state of Virginia. Um, I mean, you just got, you know, church parking lots with Brunswick stew. Um, obviously, you know, hunting is not, doesn't classify as being Southern, you know, but, you know, Schools in my, my hometown, schools, you know, classified his first day of hunting as an excusable day of absence. Because <laughs> it was a right of it was a right of passage to go hunting with your daddy. <laughs> um it just it I don't know, it just as Logan, you know, it's slower. Yeah, you know, just slower pace of life in in, in the southern area. You know? Yeah sayings of you know bless your heart and you know uh, ain't you a peach and um, I said <laughs> stew and oh shit you know but part hanging out in parking lots and bonfires yeah. Bar- parking lots of tractor supply <laughs> yeah Morgan you may be able to speak to this too but there's a lot of cultural pressure in the south and one example of that is the use of sir and ma'am yep. like people think it's like just kind of a nice thing but it's not it's a cultural pressure thing so basically your parents or i mean they they drill it into you that you have oh, to yeah. use it mm-hmm. because if you don't use it then they're viewed as bad parents for not yep. teaching you how to to be proper and that's across socioeconomic groups. That's not like fancy people do it and poor people don't. Um, and and I think that's just kind of maybe the most obvious cultural pressure that exists 
and there's a whole lot of others if you wanted to drill down into them. And so, I mean, it sounds like Morgan is the same in your town. I know in our area, it was a big deal. You had to say it. Oh, yeah. You did. So, I remember at a young age being being drilled or having that drilled into our head, you know, ma'am, no, sir. Um, yeah. If you don't do it, it, you're told to quit being ugly. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Or you get whooped. But yeah. <laughs> if you if you're listening to the and you guys can drill down on this if you want, because you'll know. But the best way for me to say it would be this. If you're listening to this podcast and you know anything about us, if this is your first time, awesome. Hopefully we do more of this and a little less opinions about your football team. But <laughs> But if it's not your first time and you know us, bottom line is when they, <clears throat> when they say cultural pressures in the South, it's exactly what you're thinking of in your head. And that's how you know that it's a distinct thing in the South, because it's exactly what you're thinking of. Even if we're not saying it, it's implied and you know exactly what we're talking about. And that's it's, how you know it's distinctive. It, it's one of those things, too, that like it, when things happen, it's pretty common in southern culture that you don't directly talk about it to people outside of the people that are involved but when those people that are involved are not around everybody's talking about it but it's there's this there's this facade almost of fake polite that's in the south like we you're you have to be polite just because it's not just out of the goodness of your heart like Dustin said it's drilled into you at an early age and when somebody isn't as polite as you think they are You'll be smiling and everything when you see him, but when they leave, it's immediate. He didn't hardly want to speak. Well, I wonder what's what crawled up his ass. You know, it's just, I mean, there is just this, uh, this culture of niceties that we are taught to accept and we continue on uh, of this is just how you do things. And it, it is like pretty distinct to that, that area. It doesn't fly up here. <laughs> It took me some time to figure that out. Um, I was used to just the cultural exchange of that when I moved back up here. And I was hanging out with a lot of people that, like I mentioned, were from like the northern, especially like Massachusetts area. Massachusetts people do not do well with, they're very blunt. They're very straight to the point. Fuck you and fuck you. You know, <laughs> There's not a whole lot of like, uh, it's, it's not a, I'll wait till they leave and ask if they were having a bad day because otherwise it seemed like they were not interested in talking to me. No, it's like, what's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's a, that's obviously a, an easy one to compare and contrast, but, but no, you're right. And I've, I've talked to this uh, about this to some extent with my wife, especially when we travel in the South, because I can kind of turn on the ma'am and, and she's like, that's so impolite. You can't do that. And I'm like, you don't understand. You don't understand. Like, it's like, I feel bad trying to explain it to her. Like, I, like I'm like Mr. Authentic. Right. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, it's like, no, I don't think you understand. Like, you know, you, we you don't call somebody a miss down here. <laughs> a, a buddy of mine <clears throat> has started dating this girl uh, a long time ago and she was from the Northeast and she was going to meet his parents for the first time. And she asked me, she goes, well, what do I need to know about so-and-so's parents? Um, or do you think they're going to like me? And I told her, I said, realistically, just be polite. So yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. She goes, I don't do that. And I was like, well, it's your first impression. I recommend you learn. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I uh, see you were nice enough and polite enough to not say, I don't think they're going to like, you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was implied. <laughs> yeah. No. No, when you when you did the recommend, I was sitting there thinking like, oh, so they're not gonna like. <laughs> I just couldn't say that to her though. No, no, that would be rude. Yeah, that would be rude. <laughs> I, I I wasn't trying to show my butt. <laughs> now, one thing that's funny about the accent, I saw this on YouTube one time. There was a linguist that put a video out that said that. The Southern accent is actually the closest accent to the uh, ac English accent of our ancestors. And they said that if you speed up a Southern accent um, over the course of a generation or two, it becomes a British accent, which kind of ties into something Dustin was saying that a lot of the slang that older generations use more than us was 
British slang, like the boot of the car, as opposed to the trunk, the buggy, as opposed to the shopping cart. Um, a lot of those things are, our, our accent is heavily uh, influenced by the British accent. And as you go further into the deep South, when they speak even slower and more, uh, that, that Southern accent is more pronounced. They explained that as being because they weren't on the coast where the port cities were. So they didn't interact with people with other accents as often. So it just kind of over generation, over generation back then with no internet developed into what it is. And that's why like North Carolina, Georgia, and Virginia have a, a, a slightly sped up more um, or uh, less kind of like real deep South Southern accent versus Mississippi and Alabama. Um, it's just an interesting thing that um, it, 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 how just the speed of it over time has developed this, the Southern accent that we all know uh, versus what the British accent is. It's interesting because I, I definitely have noticed the English uh, imprint on Eastern North Carolina. Like there's a lot of words and a lot of sayings and a lot of things that like my wife thought was funny <laughs> when, when you use the terms uh, because they were, it, you know, even when we just the recent trip that we took over to Ireland, like, you know, they use all the terms. I was like, oh, finally, I feel like I'm home. It's the boot of the car. And like, <laughs> there's a shopping buggy. And, you know, it's, it's just pretty funny. Uh, so I was giving them a hard time about that on the trip. I was a local. I was more local than I realized. <laughs> yeah, speaking of that, you know, you have to say uh, Southern culture is uh, combining as many words as you can, right? <laughs> Y'all and ain't. And then if you want to get even better on that one, you combine those two together and you get yank. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you ain't from around here, are you? Another one I've seen recently was when they, instead of like us saying to, to your point, Morgan, I appreciate it. We say pre-shaded. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just like pre-shaded. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh yeah. I say that. <laughs> There's a bunch of text shorthand that's in my phone that's been saved because of all the autocorrect. Like probably appreciate it. Like I, I but I can't text anyone from, uh, like my corporate gig because it'll, I have to like double check to make sure it's not like autocorrected to, I find myself texting, Hey, y'all going to get some of those monitors up. And I'm like, like, <laughs> yeah, they're, probably, they're probably like, right. We're getting right on that. Andy Griffith. <laughs> they probably don't know who Andy Griffith is. Exactly. <laughs> sad, sad, sad people. One of my clients is a boomer and lives in uh, the, the Southern part of North Florida. So it's all right. <laughs> oh, there you go. Or as Nick, <laughs> as Nick Saban would say, "Hi." <laughs> it is. There's one thing too that I've noticed that Dustin, like the further into the more rural, but yet at the same time southern areas, the, that I think I've lost by not living there for so long is when I went on the golf trip. There's this guy that's probably he's probably around y'all's age, and he was. Um, they were all talking about you know small town people go off to. I had a blast on this trip and can't wait to go next year, but they went off to Myrtle beach to a different area. And when they were talking about restaurants to eat for dinner, it was places they could drive to Rocky mountain to eat. Like instead of going somewhere different, you know, while they're down in South Carolina, oh, yeah. they, they got it. So the first night there's this one guy, he goes, I think I'm going to hit up B dubs. I'm going to get me some wangs. And it's like, <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like about to start dying laughing. Cause he said, I'm going to get me some wangs. And he's just grinning ear to ear and no one else is laughing except for my buddy, Will, who's sitting across from me. And Will's lived in Raleigh as long as I have. And he's just, me and him drove to end together and drove back out together. And we were just rolling, laughing about that the whole time. And then Will goes, you know, no one else thought that as funny as we did. Maybe we're the conceited assholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny how it changes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, there is something about, um, I always kind of chalked it up to generational, but there is something about uh, people loving, like, I guess, chain restaurants. And, and, and when they travel to new places, wanting to go to the same chain restaurant. And, like, I'm firmly not in that camp. I mean, I want to go to somewhere that's, like, unique to that area. And it's, uh, I don't know if that's a result of me leaving 
or if that's a result of my me just figuring out that I should do those, you know, experience some things other than chilies. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's absolutely true. You want, and we've talked about this in the past. You want to hear someone not talk about Southern culture, and you want to see it on the screen. And then you also want to find out why you shouldn't go to a Jane restaurant. Turn on any episode. And there's four seasons now. Turn on any episode of True South, which is hosted by John T. Edge, who is a restaurant critic who goes to small towns in the South. Incidentally, they just I saw the newest one. St. Louis. The newest one is in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> now, part of that's Part of that's because the SEC has a basketball team in Kentucky. But uh, still, it's on the SEC network, it's on ESPN, and they teach you about small town uh, Southern culture. And it is small town Southern culture. It is not country culture. They teach you yep. restaurants to go to, the characters behind them, whether it's a barbershop or you know a barbecue or a hamburger joint or whatever. When you're talking about the places that are getting swept away and then new places are coming up, it's not so much that they're saying, hey, let's let's keep things the way they were. They're saying, can we have the new with the old? And then can we can we raise a new South? And what what does the new South look like with the old and the new coming together? It's a fantastic show. But um I like it <laughs> at least. So that's a good point that I've it, it was different context, but that I've made to people recently. I was like, there are a group of people who think that everything in the old days was the best. There's a group of people that think that everything that happens now was way better than the old days. In reality, you know, there was a lot of things that used to happen back in the old days that sucked and there's good things that is, is moved forward, but not everything from the old days was bad. You know, there, th that's a good point of like, you can move forward and have new things move into your area, but also kind of remembering the tradition and keeping that alive at the same time and just kind of letting that, that grow. And uh, I, I just, I, when you said that, I was like, I, I exactly think that's like the best mix that can happen when, new, when people with different regions move into the South and <laughs> the, the culture starts to change. I, I do want to point out that um, John T. Edge said, it, well, I want to say True South, yes, watch it. But John T. Edge, um, they went to St. Louis. And he, he basically said, um, hey, we're in St. Louis. Uh, it's not the South, but the SEC network pays for the show, so we have to go here. <laughs> they also so, put up the email of their producer during multiple points in the show and said, please send your hate mail here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so the title graphic, because I watched this show pretty religiously, the title graphic, that it's like a, it's like a, a railroad with like the railroad noise in the background and the title graphic comes up and then you hear Wright Thompson, if you're familiar with his voice at all, his growling voice. It's like True South presented by, and he does like his whole thing. But uh, next to the True South title graphic that popped up, they put an asterisk on it. <laughs> yeah, <I saw> that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I do want to um, do want to say one more thing kind of to what Logan was saying about meshing with the culture. Matthew McConaughey, I know Texas ain't the South. I agree with that. But Matthew McConaughey said when it comes to Austin, people moving down there, if you're not willing to come in and, and want to be a part of what makes it special, make it a stop nice day. <laughs> Accurate. The, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, to that point, and then uh, we'll close it out. There was a Reddit thread, Dustin, about somebody from Atlanta, Georgia, um, asking people from Raleigh about what are the best restaurants and they don't want any of the chains. They want the local restaurants. And if they weren't originally from Georgia, but they were transplanted to Atlanta. Now they're coming to Raleigh. And they said, our budget for our house is one to one and a half million dollars. And we want to be able to walk a little more than, than commute. Um, what are some of the areas that there was one actual comment in the entire thread that was legitimate and giving them advice. The rest were sorry, Raleigh's closed. We're full. We don't want you. <laughs> So it's just, it just House Hunters Rally Edition. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Budget three and a half million dollars. Artists and clay painters want a bike to work. <laughs> Pretty much. But 
But yeah, click the uh, link in the description on the Spotify episode. Let us know what you think about Southern culture versus country culture, the differences in the two, or uh, if you want to give us your definition of what is Southern culture, we'd be interested to hear that. So uh, for this episode of Miserable and Reckless, I'm Logan sitting here with Morgan, Dustin, and Ryan, and we will see you next time.